time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. So good to have you with us, everybody. It is a gorgeous day here in Orlando, Florida. Quite a contrast to what's going on down in Houston. Man, what a crazy weather going on down there. We'll talk about that a little bit later, the consequences of all that, to and for our industry. So it's Monday, August 28th. We're broadcasting live from Orlando, Florida at the Finastra user conference called the Perspectives Conference. Excited to be here. David Bolin is sitting next to me. We're going to be interviewing a little bit later in the program. Eric Cummings. Eric is with Finastra, head of everything global markets in the U.S. and so North America. So glad to have him coming on in a hot topic segment. You know, I'm really interested in what's going on in the area of mergers and acquisitions. We're going to up close and personal look at that. And so it's good to have you with us, everybody. Again, where our hearts and thoughts, prayers go out to everybody in the Gulf area specifically Houston. Houston is overshadowing what's going on across the rather other parts of the Gulf. And you start to think about it. Here's the potential consequence. Obviously, the deadly of closings is there. We also have the, we're dealing with just the horrific amount of drama that goes with all this. But you think about recertification properties. But if you're a servicer, think about it this way. If you're a servicer there and you're thinking about your customers who do are already thin on equity, and they're now facing tens of thousands of repairs to their homes. What does that do to you and, their, and to, as a servicer? What is the potential of them walking away from that home? It is, it's significant, folks. And so the consequences of this significant weather event could have some far-reaching impacts on uh, many of those who are uh, in the mortgage industry, in the Houston market. So again, our thoughts and prayers go out to all of them. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. <laughs> it's a chuckle because, man, there's times like this where we're working with technology and audio stuff. And boy, yeah, I'm, I realize just how much I am a mortgage professional, not a sound professional. But we're created by, it's created by mortgage professionals. It is obviously for mortgage professionals. And we're grateful to have you as our listener. We're committed to bringing you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere or to have you join us all the way through. Again, I've already talked about Eric Cummins going to be in the Hot Topic segment talking about all that's going on with the merger, a lot of what's going on. I love getting his perspective on the housing market and technology. They're the third largest fintech company now in the world, having just merged with MySys, being acquired by Vista. ArchMI, grateful to have them as a sponsor with their innovative RateStar program, Motivity Solutions, providing real-time reporting and dashboard scorecards, and Velma, which is an efficient mortgage marketing and email platform, getting your word out. Simplifile, a real-time electronic communications exchange, along with the Mortgage Collaborative, the power of the network. And of course, we're here at Finastra's user conference, at the Prospectus Conference, and we're thrilled to have them. Do you know they're up to 10,000 employees with offices in 42 countries serving 9,000 companies worldwide? We're going to hear all about it later on. 
always thrilled to have with us joining us again, Alice and Andy and Joe and Sam, all dialed in from points yonder. So anyway, upcoming conferences. Let's talk about the NBA conference. Big, important conference coming up October 22nd through the 25th. Encourage you to check it out. We'll also have Compliance Ease Risk and Compliance Summit 2017, November 1st through the 3rd. That's going to be in San Francisco. I'm going to be doing a panel discussion there. We're trying to find some lenders that are active in social media doing it right. Having a little struggle. A lot of people are doing social media, but are they doing compliantly? So I may be doing that panel by myself, uh, but I would be speaking on that at that event. If you're, you have a social media strategy, I encourage you to check out this conference that Compliance Ease is putting on. You can Google Compliance Ease. Just go to their website and check out their conference. Also, we have November 15th and 16th. I'll be the keynote speaker at MGIC's Focus 2017-2018. That'll be going on in Nashville. Kind of wraps up some of the conferences for what's going on. Again, special thank you to everybody who's participating in this. By the way, I mentioned, I forgot to mention, if you want to check out where all the conferences are, we're going to have them up on our website, the Lincoln and Lending website, but you can also go to Sam Garcia's website as he has a tremendous amount of conference schedules up there. So normally we'd be playing the Les Parker segment right here. And unfortunately, that has not, we've been trying to get it loaded. And uh, I don't know if it's because we're here in Orlando, but it is not loading up. But he has a great audio segment. I'm really bummed that we're not getting a chance to play that. But it is one that is catching on largely. You can go listen to it on our website. We'll have it on our website a little bit later, as well as you can uh, sign up and get it through LoLogic's website. So without further ado, let's get over to Joe Farr and get an update from MBS Quoteline and today's markets. Joe, good to have you with us, Fred. Hey, Dave. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I guess the treasury auctions went went well. We just flipped up. We've been running. MBS price has been basically unchanged all morning, but here just in the last few minutes, we've seen them go up 330 seconds. So that's where we stand right now, up 330 seconds. And I don't have input to give you on, on how the treasury auctions went, but now's about the time they were being announced, and so maybe they, they were good for mortgage rates. Actually, we just flipped back down, so maybe the initial reaction yeah. was not held. But there were two treasury auctions today, the five and the two-year. Other than that, there were no economic events on the on the schedule. Last week, Dave, let's talk about it. There was a small improvement in mortgage rates last week, and, and because of where we were, that was just enough to put us at the lowest mortgage rate since the election, really. You know, the primary reason for the low rates is kind of fundamental in that it, there's uh, no inflation. The, what we see is low, and it seems like the trends have been that inflation's getting lower as opposed to as opposed to higher as the Fed might want to see. Last week when when we were looking at, at mortgage rates, again they ended the the week just a little lower, but there's a little bit of midweek volatility created by again the president and and the and Congress in that on Tuesday there was some talk about the possibility that the president and the Republican leadership were closer to tax reform as investors are looking at tax reform as being a stimulant to the economy, it would also be a reason to expect inflation to rise. And as that happens, mortgage rates would decline. So on Tuesday, we had saw a little drop in, in prices, a little rise in mortgage rates. But then the next day, President Trump mentioned the possibility of ending NAFTA. And uh, that would have the opposite effect. It would, it would uh, uh, potentially result in less economic activity. And the opposite happened to MBS prices and mortgage rates. Uh, 
and mortgage rates improved. And, you know, the net effect of the two days was uh, basically a small improvement in mortgage rates for those two days. The economic data that came out during the week was housing data came out for July. Both uh, new and existing home sales came in below expectations and they fell from June. So I was a little disappointed to see that. Durable orders missed the expectations, but most of that was due to transportation orders. It's very volatile. Without transportation, with transportation orders, there was about a six percent drop in durable orders. Without transportation orders being considered, there's a half a point increase in durable orders. So if you look through the the headlines, uh, it really wasn't a bad report. Last week, Friday, Mario Draghi and Janet Yellen both were scheduled and gave speeches at the Jackson Hole conference. Neither of them revealed much. In fact, it seemed as though they went out of their way to not reveal much regarding monetary policy. And that's because there are two big meetings on the schedule. The ECB meets on the 7th of September, and the market's going to be looking at what they will provide as far as guidance goes to tapering their quantitative easing program. And then the Fed meets on the 20th of September, and, and with the current lack of inflation, the investors be looking at has that had an impact on how they might provide, as far as guidance goes, future economic policy. So this week is really a pretty significant week for, e- for economic data anyway, starting uh, with consumer confidence tomorrow. Then on Wednesday, we'll get the second look at second quarter GDP. On Thursday, we get core PCE. And it is expecting to show a 1.4% annual rate. Now, some of this is rounded. It's been 1.5 rounded. But it's certainly not trending in a higher direction. And in fact, over the last five or six months, the trend has can only be viewed as having gone in a lower direction. So again, we'll see how inflation might weigh in on what the Fed says. Pending home sales comes out on Thursday. And then Friday's non-farm payrolls, 185,000 net new jobs expected. Uh, if that's not enough, ISM manufacturing also comes out on Friday, uh, along with consumer sentiment. So a very big week ahead as far big as economic week. data goes. And, uh, you know, how will it weigh in on what the Fed might do and the ECB might do in their upcoming meetings? When uh, Joe, when you're looking at uh, some of the events that are coming up here, what's the one that you think we should be looking and paying the most attention to? Well, it's always non-farm payrolls coming out on Friday, but PCE is a big event. Core PCE is certainly going to be high on the minds of the Fed members as that's their preferred inflation measure. And if it continues to trend lower, it's hard. It's going to be provide very good arguments for many of those who you know, are sort of on the fence as to what to do to, to fall on the side of waiting longer to do much from a, a tightening perspective. Well, it's going to be interesting. The number one thing is that we need to pay close attention to the markets because it can have a big impact on whether or not you're going to get that transaction closed or not. And there's, there's not a better service out there that does the job of helping people get signed up and, and ma- monitor the markets. Tell, are you running any specials right now as far as what people are to call you and go to the website? Folks, the website is mbsquoteline.com. Are you running any specials right now where if people sign up, they can get some number of weeks as a trial period? Yeah, we always, we always offer two weeks. And, and lately we've been, as, as we go through the summer, we've been providing a, a little extra time for people to get their hands around the markets and how we might be able to help them. Yeah, if, if you sign up now, we'll be happy to provide you with three or four weeks free trial. 
Check it out, folks, mbsquoteline.com. Joe, thank you so much for bringing us an update. And now we're going to head over to Velma and get an update on them and how you can get signed up for an effective way to advertise and get your message out to whether your consumers or your clients, whoever they be. We'll be right back after this brief word. Are you using one of those expensive CRMs that your loan officers won't use? If so, then give my friends at Velma a call and let them help you create a customer journey that relies on the data and not on loan officer interaction. I encourage you to consider working with Velma to create a truly automated marketing experience for your organization. Velma makes marketing automation easy. Schedule a demo today at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A.com. The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The Collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Swarbinski at 440-552-0691. The power of the network. We were just at that conference, TMC conference, the Mortgage Collaborative Conference. It was excellent. It was so much information. In fact, one of the guests we had there was from the FBI, talked about how cybercrime and specifically the sophistication of of, of this phishing schemes that are going on. So we're going to be talking about dual authentication later on, and we're going to have him come on as soon as we get him scheduled, fit him into the schedule here. So anyway, let's get over talking about what's going on. Alice Alvey's always got a wonderful perspective. And Alice, I'm really interested in your thoughts in light of what's happening there in Houston. What, what are the consequences? What's the fallout from your perspective? FEMA, the flood insurance. I mean, there's just so many aspects of this. Foreclosures. Yeah, there is. So, as you said earlier, you know, our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with all of those who are still going through it because it's certainly not over yet, which is one of the challenges, right? So, um, being declared a disaster area and then also kind of following up with when can you actually start through the, the NFIP, the program claims process. So, for those of you who don't deal with this side of the business, on the origination side certainly is the absolute stoppage of loans that are in the main 20-county path, at least from our estimates right now, where you may not be able to let a loan close. You've got to know that the event is over and that any assessment you may have conducted of any damage uh, possibly to a loan that may be closing, it is a final assessment. So that's one challenge. And, of course, the demand for those is going to be pretty significant right now. The next stage is dealing with our customers who are going through this and our servicer, servicing customers. And, of course, we've got to put the customer first, understand what they're going through. And very often, you know, we want to try and get claims filed quickly. The borrower has to be involved in that process, but they're not emotionally ready. So that's one of the challenges that you're always dealing with. One of the other big challenges is proof of the loss, right? The customer has to fill in paperwork. They have to go through itemizing everything that they've lost and get estimates on the repairs. Well, part of the documentation in most cases is this catastrophic has been lost in the flood as well. So, you know, there there's a lot to be done there yeah. because a lot of times you don't have the paperwork that you need and 
and you've got to spend time on that. A heads up for lenders, I'm just purely the business side, check your policies. Um, some lenders didn't have their procedures buttoned up real tight to be named in the policy. They may have just relied on a general mortgagee clause. That can affect how you get repaid during a claim. And we really do recommend that lenders staff up to participate in the claims process with the borrowers. Very often they're you know, again, it's a very emotional thing for them, and having trained professionals, whether you have to look outside to get this extra help or you have that within your own staff to make sure that borrowers make the right decisions on claims and that you're involved in the process and they don't just accept any amount of money because they just want money and they're anxious to get on with the next phase of their life, and it's really nowhere near enough for what they need to, you know, make ends meet and also get the house to you know, saleable and lendable condition, I guess. There are insurance codes that everyone has to watch out for in terms of staying in compliance as you receive, which won't be for a while, but once you get to the process where you may start receiving some claims funds, lenders have lots of compliance and responsibility to make sure all those claims funds are dispersed properly. So lots to kind of kick into high gear when there's a uh, catastrophic event at this level, very often lenders have practice with it in very small doses for, you know, a tornado that may have hit a particular town. We certainly dealt with this back in Hurricane Katrina or the, you know, and other disasters, but this is a big one, and so you probably want to make sure you've got the extra staff uh, to manage it well for our cust- your customers so you have some performing loans. And then, Dave, as you mentioned, certainly once it's a presidentially declared disaster area, there is foreclosure, forbearance, um, agency guidelines from all the agencies that you need to make sure you're up to speed on and following and tracking well. So that's, you know, update. When you start thinking about, hey, Fannie and Freddie, you know, both have their new collateral assessment products that both uh, Fannie put in allowing PIWs, property inspection waivers for purchases now. You know, that's good news on the sales side, but pales in comparison to what everyone's dealing with in Texas. So um, the good news on the sales side, there was some new relief uh, for reps and warrants that we can get for per, uh, on purchases with uh, property inspection waivers. So that's been the, the highlight of the origination side. We'll have more news on legislation once Congress gets back in session. So that's my report for today, Dave. Good job, Alice. Appreciate it so much. So much to track what's going on, and then you throw a storm like this in and look at the consequences of it. It's significant. Appreciate it so much. And again, this has been Alice Alvey, Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage, bringing us a legislative and consequence of weather update. So anyway, Alice, appreciate it so much. Looking forward to having you on a little bit later. We're going to be uh, taking a quick break. David Boland sitting right here with me, but we have a pre-recorded with me. I should make you do this live, David, but he's sitting right here. I'm not going to make him do that live. But anyway, David Boland with Finastra. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hey, thanks a lot, David. Finastra is extremely proud to be a key sponsor of the Licking on Lending Program. Known formally as DNH, Finastra's global lending division provides end-to-end solutions and innovation to the full spectrum of lenders including independent mortgage bankers, community banks and credit unions, and even the largest banks globally. Learn more about how you provide an innovative digital experience for your borrowers by leveraging our multi-channel point-of-sale solution, which includes the new MortgageBot Mobile, by visiting our website at finastra.com. <laughs> That's for sure. Yes, Andy's giving me the word. You know, Andy is a remote engineer. The travel going alive just before, it, 
blog talk we broadcast this through doesn't give us a chance to go on until 15 minutes, turn everything on, and you scramble for the next 15 minutes. So if you wonder why we get a little harried on when we're starting the program, if there's any audio issues, it's going on. It's We're trying to scramble and to solve them in the last minute. So we've got an extra mic going live here. It's giving a little feedback. Apologize for that, everybody. You can get the gist of the program, and it's really about everyone else. Folks, we're going to be right back with a word from Simplifile. Great tool for you communicating on your closing. So a lot of things going on in Simplifile, so check it out. We'll be right back after this break. Simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging, allowing you to track changes, send, receive, and validate documents, as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to Simplifile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657. Good to have you with us, everybody. We've got Sam Garcia dialed in. Have you been staying dry up there in Dallas? Are you uh, still in Dallas? What, What part of the country are you in these days? You travel around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I am in Dallas. Actually, it made it much cooler here, which is a relief. We had a little bit of rain, not super bad. I've seen it worse, but gosh, you know, we're feeling for the people obviously down in Houston. You know, and as I'm sure is the case with you, I've developed many relationships with many people in the Houston area. You know, I I met most of those folks while I was visiting mortgage brokers and mortgage bankers with my account executives when I worked in the mortgage business. So, you know, those continue for, you know, well well beyond when I was doing that. And, you know, what's interesting is while many of the people who are impacted by this devastating event are, you know, currently overwhelmed just dealing with issues of the present, I suspect the hurricane will have a huge impact on Texas's other major metropolitan areas, you know, including Austin, Dallas, and San Antonio. Because, you know, I remember after Hurricane Katrina, Dallas had a huge influx of people from New Orleans, which actually added right. to our, uh, our, you know, local musicians, which I like, I like that, you know. But, but given the, the population and the proximity of Houston to my town of Dallas, I suspect we'll see a substantial population of Houstonians moving up to our area, you know, just like, forget it, I'm not going to try to, you know, start over again here like they were kind of back in Katrina. And, you know, given that our real estate market here and our apartment market is fairly tight, it's likely we'll see conditions kind of get a little bit tighter even. So, you know, from the mortgage perspective, that's that's one of the things I see happening once we get out, once the dust settles and we see what actually winds up happening with a lot of these people. But uh, again, all our best to them. I've had some people call in and ask, you know, what what can they do? Because they know I'm here in Texas. So uh, we'll see. You know, on the top of the uh, topic of inflation, I just wanted to point out that some of President Trump's policies could drive up inflation. You know, this includes, you know, if you have a decline in illegal immigration, that means, you know, many of the construction companies out there will have to use domestic workers and that costs more. Other things that might, you know, impact would be tougher trade deals that could bring up costs. And also, if you bring offshore workers to the U.S., that's going to raise the cost of some of the items, you know, and a lot of the people that, you know, I myself even have, you know, we shop at Walmart and those kinds of things will be impacted prices at places like that. You know, there's just basically 
based on his policies and promises, there's a possibility that we'll see some uptick in inflation in the future here. Anyway, moving on to business, um, I, I know you've got some stuff going here, and I, I got as much as I, some of my, our headlines down as I could, but God, there was just so much I couldn't get them all. The first thing I'll talk about is our mortgage market index, which is an indication of upcoming originations based on average per user rate locks at open close. Jumped 9% last week, so always good when business is higher, and it was government business that led that rise. Moving on to delinquency, the Mortgage Bankers Association released its delinquency survey for the second quarter. Overall delinquency turned out to be the lowest that it's been since the second quarter 2000. So it's been a while since uh, loan performance has been this good. Foreclosures, the foreclosure rate fell to the lowest level since 2007. So got a decade just for that. Moving on over at Cherry Creek Mortgage out of Colorado, there was a lawsuit that was filed by a former employee, and that lawsuit really has shaken up things over there recently. The lawsuit says that the Greenwood, Colorado-based firm canceled the health insurance coverage of a female employee and her wife because of its religious values. And Cherry Creek then on Thursday of last week announced that it would change its policies about providing coverage to same-sex spouses. And then on Friday, the chairman issued a statement indicating he's stepping down. So some big changes over there as a result of what's happened. A, a report came out last week from SIGTARP, and of course SIGTARP is Inspector General for the TARP program, which was created through the financial crisis. And that report indicated that the state housing agencies who received these funds from the hardest-hit funds have been abusing some of them. So this included things like they would spend money on employee bonuses. And, of course, this was meant – these were funds that were meant to help people that were struggling with their mortgages. But these, some of these agencies spend it on you know, things like those bonuses and executive car payments and barbecues, you know, among other things. It was an interesting report. It wasn't a, a, a super – a super large amount. It's a few million dollars, but still it's public money that went to something right. that really it wasn't intended to go through. Uh, finally, one other thing I wanted to mention was that Vanguard Funding, three executives from Vanguard Funding were arrested, and it was for alleged warehouse fraud. They had taken some of the money that was supposed to be used to fund originations and apparently used it for their own benefit, salaries and expenses and things like that. So uh, at this point, they've been charged and arrested and will keep you up to date on what's going on there, hmm. over there as time passes so uh, how's that how's that conference going for you it's good i mean we're i'm excited about here be here there's so much going on around finestra and we're going to be hearing about that in the hot topic segment so yeah we'll be it's very exciting very very good to be here wish it was wish a little sun here it's raining everywhere it seems like these days yeah, so yeah. sam thank you so much for being here with us appreciate you if check it out what you check out your website I encourage our listeners to do so mortgagedaily.com or you can get a hold of sam at sam garcia at mortgagedaily.com or call him 214-521-1300 sam thank you so much for joining in giving us a little insights on what's going on out there we've got a word from our sponsor archmi shawnee honodale thank you Thanks, David. Glad to be a sponsor. Spring home buying's underway. The supply is tight and interest rates are rising. Are lenders ready to compete for purchase business, or will they get left behind? Archimai RateStar is the best way to stay aggressive and stay ahead of the herd. Use our risk-based pricing program to assess individual loan risk more precisely. With RateStar, lenders lead their market the way Archimai leads the MI industry. Lead with us.
The Prophet Doctor is here in the house. Good to have you with us, Andy Shell. I okay. kind of wish you were here. I think we figured out the problem. We've got uh, we got a microphone live on the computer. We can't figure out how to shut that dang thing off. So that's where the extra sounds coming in. We got the panel working fine. Everything's else going, but so anyway, you can you can adjust for almost everything. But then those there's always something else in there. Speaking of something else. Uh, so how do you like having every word you said and every breath you take during the show being heard by everybody across the country? Yeah, so that's why I'm reaching over. Can you hear me now, David? <laughs> oh, anyway, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're proud of being mortgage bankers. We don't put ourselves out as, you know, electronical engineered podcasters. We're, we get this out for the industry. But anyway, give us an update of what's going on in your world, Andy. I'm thinking, I know you're thinking of the consequences of what's going on down in Houston. We're close enough to it there with you being in Austin. So talk a little bit about that. Well, okay, first, uh, I think you should uh, refer everybody to Alice's comments. I thought uh, she and Sam both. Uh, Alice nailed it. I mean, she, I mean there, was a, there was a whole show special segment just on <laughs> what Alice said about dealing with with loans that are pending closing, dealing loans that are being serviced, impact of insurance uh, binders, impact of insurance declaration pages. I mean, I was like, wow, Alice, way to go. <laughs> she nailed it. She nailed it. So that's a really important point, and, and maybe even an important uh, special segment uh, to cover what to do when you've got claims like this and you've got issues like this and loans in process like this. So um, that was really good. You know, I did forget to mention to people, there is a website at the Texas, there's an info website that the state of Texas has, and I can send the link to anybody who wants it. That's great. Yeah, send it over. Put it in the show notes. has a whole ton of FAQs, yeah, that would help consumers. So. Thank you. Well, Thank you for Alice, letting me throw that in. Good. Alice just knows everything about this stuff, so she's <laughs> an amazing resource and an amazing teacher, for that matter. So... Uh, Dave, we've got, you know, speaking of teaching, I'm going to be teaching a class, and I'm not anywhere near as cute as Alice, but I'm going to be teaching a class, and it's on October the 4th for four weeks about accounting. So that's going to be coming up, and that's going to be a fun topic. It's one of my favorite topics. I mean, how boring is that, right? That's like talking about getting your teeth drilled, but I like talking about accounting. I like talking about the impacts uh, that accounting brings, the benefits that come from accounting and the hedge transactions. And, and even today, Dave, as we're preparing for the, the big accounting conference down in San Antonio this year in November, there's already issues coming around about how people track their interest rate lock commitment, unrealized gain. So you got your locked pipeline, you calculate how much you're going to make, you put it on your numbers, and you count it as income. Well, when you count it as income, that means it's also taxable. And if it's taxable, then you've got to pay taxes on it. But people want to have the income for their net worth, but they don't want to pay taxes on it. So it's just a big mess. It's a big mess. And we're going to talk about uh, some of that during our webinar coming up and during the conference. But as we just mentioned, four weeks, five weeks from now, Dave, is October. Can you believe that? Then right after that's November, and now I've got to start buying Christmas presents. <laughs> So as we start this downhill slide into winter, we know most of the country, uh, short of refinances, operates under a uh, mortgage lending bell curve. We have peaks in the summers and lulls in the winters. So that means we've got to be like squirrels, and we've got to save our nuts for the winter. We've got to store away cash 
for the winter. It also means that cash gets tight going through the winter. We want to be really, really mindful of how we manage through this time. So to do that, what do we need? We need a cash flow forecast. We need a 90-day cash flow forecast, and we need a nine-month cash flow forecast to get us all the way back around to about March when things start to pick up and we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train. So we do this by having information, and information is driven and captured through technology. So we're going to use technology to help us get there. We're going to use our LOS, we're going to use our accounting system to drive outputs from these systems to form some of the basis of our forecast, and we're going to use our KPIs, some of which came right out of our LOS and our accounting system to determine our expense drivers so we know our metrics that are coming together, and we're going to come up with some volume forecast and some margin by product results to know what our revenue drivers are. And then we're going to look at our investor purchase timing to determine timing of purchase because that's a very significant revenue driver. And by going through all of that, we then have a really awesome cash flow forecast that everybody needs and it's really important to have. And most amazing technology platforms can do this. I would say the best technology platforms in the industry have the embedded ability to do this. And so I'm actually interested in, in hearing about Finestra, formerly known as DNH, and how they yeah. are able to do that. Hey, you know what I looked up, though, Dave, about Finestra? You know what? It means window. Isn't that cool? So it's a window. So one it's definition. Window. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Well, well it's, it's spelled slightly differently. Phonetically, it's F-I-E-N. Area's window. So it's slightly yeah. different, but I still think it's cool, though, because it's a window to the future. It's the foundation of our technology that goes forward. <laughs> That's good, Andy. <laughs> there you go, appreciate Dave. it. I knew you'd come up with a new angle on it. That's good. Thanks for doing the research. I appreciate you being here with us. Folks, we are excited. Speaking of Finastro, we're excited to have Eric Cummins with, here, with us. He's the global head of lending at Finastro, and uh, just real excited to have you here, Eric, to participate with us. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dave, and uh, welcome to our event. Well, it's, here, here. it's a great event. I mean, there's you have some like eight, nine hundred people coming in for this event. Yeah. So we'll have uh, we'll have close to a, a thousand participants in total, including uh, customers, partners, sponsors. In addition, you know, several hundred of the, the key executives from Finastra are the, uh, here as well. Well, we're excited to have you here as a leader of Finastra to really do, and, and really want to get into discussion about the acquisition by Vista Equity Partners and the merger of MySys. There's a lot going on in mergers in the marketplace. Can you talk a little bit about the new company and how, how they are coming together? Is, is it all completed? So, yeah, so a couple of key stats uh, first off, and I'll get into some of those details. Uh, you hit on the top. So the new company is called Finastra. It does not mean window, even though that was an interesting analogy, but it is uh, financial technology to this aiming for the stars, so to speak, where the name came from. You know, I think uh, today we're, we're roughly 10,000 employees, I think well over 9,000 customers in about 130 countries. We have local presence in over 40, 40 countries. Wow, 42, yeah, sorry. Uh, and so, you know, for, for us, I mean, the merger and bringing together of of the DNH software and technology assets and the MISA software and technology assets was highly complementary. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about the complementary nature of it. I mean, because I had never heard of MISA. It's primarily a European so, counterparty, is it not? Yeah, so I, I think the best way to kind of describe the coming together is kind of, we'll start with a, a few overlaps. Both companies are in retail and core banking. 
So, so we now have much greater scale from the, the DNA core of banking assets in the United States are highly complementary with the MISIS core banking assets. And so we have a much stronger now retail footprint from a traditional core banking, retail banking perspective. The MISIS side brought some very unique assets around the treasury and capital markets and trading systems. And then the DNH had some very strong assets in lending and payments. So when you put the combined portfolio together, you get very solid assets in retail banking, lending and origination and compliance solutions, payments, and then treasury and capital markets. And as you see um, the company come together, you'll see us really focused in those four primary areas going forward. Talk a little bit about the significance for your customers and partners of this merger. Yeah, so I think the customers, you know, I think the customers are going to benefit, you know, almost day one. We've already identified all of our joint customers. And, you know, unbeknownst to ourselves, we have customers that had already on their own integrated a DNA solution with the license. You know, to put an example, we had a, a MISIS commercial origination customer integrating into LaserPro from the DNA side. And probably a lot of the clients would probably have heard that the LaserPro brand name from a compliance operation. Yep. So, so our customers had already figured out, I would say, how to do some level of integration between our solutions. Uh, we now have the opportunity to actually make that best in class, right? You know, integrations, I would say there's lots of level of integration, right? You know, simple passing of data is one level fully integrated workflow is a whole other level. So yeah. we have the opportunity now to take what was simple and basic, you know, hand and exchange of files and, and data in different formats to make it a true integrated process and for a lot of our joint customers. And we're excited to have that opportunity to get out there and talk to them about that. Did the customer base expand with the addition of MISIS? Because, you know, I knew what DNH's customer base looked like. Has it actually expanded or is it pretty much serving the same customer base, but just more services and greater yeah, so the, the customer base did expand quite significantly, primarily for uh, a lot of our North American customers between DNH and, and MISIS were, were the similar customers. Okay. DNH was, didn't have a strong presence in Europe or the Middle East and Asia Pacific, which we now do with MISIS. So an opportunity for us to take some of our, our U.S.-based assets actually overseas um, from a globalization perspective, and likewise, um, better distribution for some of the MISIS products to enter into the U.S. market. Good. Joe, I'll run over to you. Any questions that come to mind? Well, yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, Vista Equity Partners, and, and I see from the notes that they have offices here in Austin, so I probably ought to know about them, but I, but I don't. Can you tell us a little bit about who they are? So Vista Equity Partners is probably the number one preeminent um, private equity firm focused solely on software and technology in the U.S. and most likely the world. So all their assets are software and software related. They don't invest in any consumer products or household goods or manufacturing related businesses. They've invested over $30 billion invested capital since their founding. And if you were to put together the, the revenue from all their portfolio companies would be the fourth largest software provider on the planet today. Fourth largest. That is a significant uh, in size. With you now as the leader of the division responsible for mortgage solutions, I would love to get your fall pulse on the mortgage market. Just generally, how are you seeing it? You, you've got to have so many, inst so many installations with, I know, the regulated base and an increasing number of installations with, on the mortgage solutions side with the independent base. What's your perspective? 
Yeah, so I actually, I mean, so I take a, a little different bent on looking at the, the mortgage origination market. I think of it from a technology first perspective and the technology landscape. And I would say, you know, from my perspective, I actually believe there's a little fatigue from a technology spend in the mortgage space. It's a good way um, to put it. <laughs> so we're, we're at a time now where it's been a, a couple of years post credit. Um, we've seen some slowing of origination, right? So the refi market is down a little bit, new house sales are holding on. But I think you put a couple of factors together, and there's still a lot of a lot of the mortgage producers out there, whether they're independent or not, that are, are really still saying, you know, we had a we had a really fight through trend. We're now seeing volume challenge a little bit, and so um, we really need to just sit back and, and say, you know, do we have the right technology strategy right. forward? Because there is another wave coming. We're already talking about trend two and the Honda changes, and so. So all those events, I think, are causing a little bit of consternation in, uh, from uh, overall technology spending mortgage, and it's probably a good thing because there's a lot of activity in 2014, 15, and 16, a lot of churn in the marketplace. I think a lot of technology providers like Finastra and others had to really do a lot of client handholding to get them through right. those events. And so now, you know, it's, it's a good, really, a good time to actually assess where, where our customers are at and then help them position for the, the next wave of growth. Back to you, Joe. Quicken Loans made a big splash with Rocket Mortgage, and a lot of large non-financial institutions are are really building up their mortgage operations. What what's your take on all that and that movement uh, of the non-financial institutions taking the bigger share of the mortgage market? Yeah, I would say the non-financial institutions are probably now right about fifty percent of total originations, maybe a little bit above. Like that might be a little off there. Yeah, I think we're going to continue to see. Right now, the non-financial institutions appear to be investing a little bit more so in net client acquisition. Right. So the traditional, you know, depository financial institutions, I think, you know, when it comes to Quicken, you know, they, they have good technology, but they have a great marketing machine. Their marketing machine is amazing. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and so it really does come down to, you know, the big lenders. And I would probably, probably say this that all big lenders right now are almost like their factory production line. When things, when volumes get a little low, they really have two options. That's either rev up that marketing machine to keep the production line full or scale back the production. And in a lot of cases, you know, that marketing investment to try to win the client is the cheaper option. I think that's exactly what we're seeing with Quicken Loans, that they're going to keep that production rate going. Uh, and they're going to continue to, to steal share from smaller lenders. It's not necessarily what I want to see, but I think right. it's, uh, I think it's something a, we can expect. To I think it's an accurate assessment. When you look at market share, the cost to acquire consumers, we are going to be seeing costs continue to go up. Does the merger enable you guys to better respond to the to the more changes that we know are eventually coming? It's just a, a steady change of how does this merger enable you guys to respond to or quickly responding to all these changes. I don't know how a software developer stays on top of this stuff, Eric. Well, I think, you know, the merger will enable ourselves and ultimately our, our end customers and that, you know, scale does matter. Yes. Right. And so when you're, whether you're dealing with an information security or getting all your solutions running on the cloud or, you know, interpreting a regulation change once, but applying that change to multiple solutions, if you have scale, then you can quickly benefit. And I think, you know, that's one of the key areas that the merger absolutely will help us. We saw that a few years ago when uh, Harlem Financial Solutions and Morgan came together, that, you know, our compliance legal team and how we address compliance-related changes, we're able to leverage that excellent team across multiple products. And now here's the exact same uh, opportunity for us to do it again. When you look at, you are with Harland, 
back in there. You've been through several of these now. And talk about what you see. Uh, several people wrote me when they heard that you're going to be on. We made an announcement. And they go, I'd love to get Eric's perspective. I just... Is this a new trend, merging, getting to be larger and larger fintech companies? Some of the smaller guys are concerned, are they going to be able to compete in this environment? This has got huge amount of resources, financial resources. And the best part is they have a good understanding of technology. They must find in technology. Does, is this create a game over for the smaller guys getting involved with? And, and do they need to be out looking to, to merge? You know, from a technology perspective, I think there, there's still the opportunity for smaller providers to innovate. So I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say it's game over from that perspective. Um, most of the smaller companies that we partner with and are looking at, they're able to start the cloud first. That's an example. Right. They're not trying to take an on-prem solution and move it forward. And so there, there are some, uh, some opportunities for smaller technology players if they find the right niche, right, to be highly successful. When it comes to smaller financial institutions, I would say, right, every depository institution should have a plan to grow their asset base significantly. Um, that's a larger challenge in my mind than the, the technology players. I think there's still plenty of opportunity for technology players like ourselves and new entrants to continue to innovate and uh, find new ways to serve the market. You definitely stay in touch on top of innovation. Where are some of the more excited areas of innovation that you, that you personally go, if I'm going to go pick up a tech magazine, what article is going to come off there that's going to capture your attention, Eric? Well, I think the, the articles that are going to capture my attention really focus on machine learning, AI, and what we're going to do with all this data. Yeah, see, I, I was hoping you were going to go there because I know your background and that there's, I would love to get your perspective. Expound on that a bit. Yeah, so I, I think there, there's more data available now than there was just a couple of years ago. And in two or three years, it'll exponentially increase again. And, and to me, the challenge in most of this space is actually taking that data and transforming it into useful information, something I can right. actually go to do something with, whether that's design a new product or enter a new market. There's just so much information out there. And if you're not careful, that information will just consume you and paralyze you. So in my mind, what I'm most interested about is how do you use that kind of data? So how are those, so what, what are some of the things that some that are doing? We look at what IBM's doing. I mean, that's, there's some initiatives going on there that are pretty exciting with Watson. I'll make it uh, maybe a more practical thing. Yeah. Um, if you're lending to a small business and that small business keeps their Yelp profile up to date, right. is that business more likely to be well-run and therefore better candidate to actually enter into a banking relationship or not. And so that's a perfect example okay. of new different types of data that are now working their way into the process of how you might evaluate a, a potential uh, client or somebody you might want to lend money to. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, it is ultimately the consumer that we're, we're going to to try to get there. And you would think the Yelp is going to have a big impact on, on the mortgage, but it does. I mean, mortgage is maybe not as much. Uh, you know, my business, I'm responsible for mortgage, small business, commercial lending as well. And so we look at those kind of things. But, um, you know, uh, a Yelp profile could be a, a really good extra data point for you know, whether or not you want to actually bring uh, business with something. We've got a company that I'm in close relationship with called a Social Survey, and they do monitor the heck out of this. And it's a really effective tool to gather information. So I think it's great. Talk about the conference here. Give a quick commercial for those uh, in our audience who are unable to attend, but could possibly join us here next year. Talk about this. You've got a really good lineup of speakers. I'm privileged to be one of them. We have over 40 events set up for the next couple of days. 
loads of speakers. Our keynote is Robert Herkovich from Shark Tank. So we're all ah, looking forward to that one. Yeah. That one. We have, I think, uh, is it Chris Pratt from yeah. Isaiah here, and then Lynn Watson from the NBA as well. Yeah. Yeah, Lynn Fisher. Lynn Fisher. Yeah, Lynn Fisher of the NBA. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we have a tremendous, uh, tremendous lineup over the next couple of days. It, it is hot and humid here in Orlando, so we're hoping, uh, <laughs> you know, the weather's not, uh, you know, too too much of a drag on, on folks trying to. Uh, At least you're not dealing with a hurricane. One of the, well, the NBA. I remember when I was being here for the NBA uh, when we had a hurricane going through here at the tail end of it, and. Plants are blowing through there. So, no, I'm really looking forward to this event. I'm thankful that you took a few minutes out of your day to join us here and talk about it. What should everyone walk away with? Uh, I, I had several people say, where did you come up with the name Finastra? I, that, that's one question I know some of our listeners are wondering. Any, were you involved in that or any insights there? Yeah, so the fan is for financial, yeah. or financial technology. Astra means star. So, I mean, our end goal is to be you know, the star of the financial technology provider space. We're now the number three provider, you know, when you put us together from the FinTech, FinTech 100. Uh, we have complete global presence, so we wanted a name that would work in all the markets we go uh, go to market and do business in. So, you know, we're we're excited. Um, you know, we've got a really solid uh, financial sponsor in Vista oh, yeah. that Huge. invests uh, in top tier uh, technology and software assets. I think our plan for growth is pretty solid, and uh, we're excited about the future. Well, I thank you so much for taking time to come here. And I know this isn't you know, probably the first thing you, the dude you would sign up for, Eric, knowing you, you're kind of, you're a great job behind the scenes making things happen. But I've known you for years. I have a tremendous respect for how you've taken, really, what was my old software company. I started my garage, which was the old Harland uh, Interlink. I went to that Dan, it was a CCC back way back in the old, old days. Uh, before that, it was something I had in my garage. I mean, look at what you've done with that technology and where it now sits. So it's good to see it. Uh, See you and the leadership and the ideas continue on. Thanks so much for taking time to be here with us. You bet. Folks, we've had with us Eric Cummins, who is, the again, the head of everything global markets at Finastra. I wish you could be here at this event. It's a, it is really going to be one of those events that causes you to think. Every time I've been with a DH event that I was here at a few years ago, then every time I've been here, the, the lineup and the topics are just so thought-provoking. So I hope you will consider coming to this event. Also get a hold of your little Finastra sales representative, Dan Putney, still heading up a lot of that for those of, for those of us who are good friends with Dan and company. Also, I want to talk about next week's program. We're going to start focusing in on social media marketing. We have Jessica Peterson and Susan Oberling going to be joining us. They are with the MortgageProsperityAcademy.com. You can check it out if you want to. And they're going to be talking about how mortgage professionals can grow sales and increase revenue using social media advertising. I've been telling you folks for some time, we have several clients that are originating 100% of their loans through social media, through Facebook ads. Now, my last mortgage company that I was a partner in in Southern California was a direct mail company. So I know a little bit about consumer direct and how it works. Direct mail still works for some of the population, but social media is really eclipsing it, especially when you look at the millennials, you look at the demographics of who's coming into the housing market. You cannot ignore the fact that social media is going to play a big impact. And the fact that Rocket Mortgage, the same folks at Quicken Organization, outstanding at what they do when it comes to marketing. No question about it. It's good to have you with us. Be sure to tune in next week. It's going to be Labor Day. We're going to be pre-recording it and looking forward to having you here. So, folks, have a great rest of the day. 
rest of the week. Our thoughts and prayers go out to our friends in Houston, and we look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.